from the dark web to your radio dial. You are listening to CyberTalk Radio on News 1200 WOAI. Welcome to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. I'm joined this week by a professor from uh, one of our local universities here, one of our NSA centers of excellence. San Antonio is a home for cybersecurity education of all types, whether you want a short boot camp, a two-year program, a four-year program, a master's degree, and even on into research after that. Uh, Haidar, thank you for joining us uh, this week. Uh, can you go ahead and share a little of your background and uh, tell the audience just a brief overview about uh, St. Philip's for us? Thank you. Good to be here. My name is Haidar Thomas Sahin. I'm a over 20 years full professor at St. Philip's College, teaching cybersecurity over 19 years. Initiated many projects from St. Philip's College, uh, such as uh, network security, now cybersecurity, come back, come to cybersecurity. We have uh, trained many, many people. And most of our graduates now work in private and private and non-profit organizations. And we have a tremendous success, not just training our students and also helping our societies in various ways. So uh, as you started up, what made uh, St. Phillips decide to add networking and computer security education back when the, 20 years ago this was the, the first Internet bubble that um, I mean, pets.com and these things were not really selling pet food. And now, I mean, we're probably all ordering our pet food from Amazon or, or somewhere else or H-E-B delivery. So the Internet is really here. It's there now. But my experience, educational institutes usually catch the wave after not as early as uh, St. Philip's did. So what was the genesis of the program getting started back there uh, almost 20 years ago now? I guess being a young graduate from the university in graduate school, understanding delivering goods, delivering goods before you go to the store, buy something, you, is your, you, have, you put it on your hand and you come home. But now delivering goods delivered over the internet via cybersecurity devices, so information all over the places now. Being a young graduate from University of Texas San Antonio, understanding the computer ethics, understanding privacy, it appeared to me something needed to be done to protect information in various ways. That triggered the basic idea, come up with the network security, start training people in network security. Because every agency, every company we have, they deliver goods now, they deliver those goods in terms of information through devices that need to be secured. Uh, privacy was a big concern because information all over the places. Uh, people need to be trained to catch up with the speed. And that was the biggest piece of the knowledge I need to have put into such a program, so that build as a degree, so that we can start training our young young people to be ready to support us in the future. Because it was getting big and big, knowing that it's coming those days. Yeah, I mean, there's uh, lots of uh, articles being written out there now saying that cybersecurity is kind of the the next uh, blue collar, white collar job. This is something that every company across every industry is going to have to have uh, either someone working directly for them or they're going to have to have a service provider that is uh, handling these activities because 
every business is going to rely on digital records uh, for their bookkeeping, uh, for their customer orders. Uh, I mean, now if, if you go to a place and you see somebody filling out a paper order, unless this is at the farmer's market, <laughs> you're looking at them like it's kind of strange. And even at the farmer's market now, you're seeing folks that have cell phones with uh, a credit card scanner on the phone. They may have QR codes on the actual things they're selling you at the farmer's market. They're using the, the camera in the phone and they're creating all of these digital records of you as a customer and, and for their business. And all those things need to be kept uh, safe and secure. So this cybersecurity is going to be everywhere. There's industry specific jobs, but as you were saying, this um, the ethics of now that you have all this information, what do you do with it and how do you keep it safe in the privacy piece? Uh, is something that spans across everywhere from whether it's retail through to healthcare through to banking and finance. As you, you look at every business, there's important records that are now being made digital and we've got to be able to have uh, folks on the team uh, that can take care of them for them. Absolutely. Information, when you look at information, is all digitized, just like you mentioned. Everything about us, our social networking, Anything we say, we talk, anything we post, anything we buy, anything, we, you know, banking, medical record. There's nothing we can name today not being digitized. Even our driven cars. I mean, they're all computerized cars. I mean, where we go, your phone, every time you get the, you know, point, location, all that information is out there. Obviously, there's, there's nothing we can avoid to stop that. Concern is though we have to have educated people to help us because information can be correct, information can be incorrect, and, or information no longer in good value sometimes, but still sitting out there, some case hurting people because some information is totally wrong. There are so many aspects of it out there need to be taken care of properly. Uh, misinformation one of the big piece, and location you being location you, the things you do, the say things you said, you know, it just out of out there and is there a control for it not necessarily yeah um, so those are the biggest concern it becomes the biggest issue in terms of privacy in terms of whatever information is they need to be secured properly and accessed by proper people uh, otherwise it's going to be a big jungle out there and accessed by anybody yeah so for the uh, listeners now that uh, are going well this is something that's interesting to me i want to get involved in helping either the company i work for do this better or i want to learn new skills to to go get a job to do this full-time myself um, so st phillips is part of the uh, alamo uh, colleges here in san antonio can you, for for those that aren't aware of the alamo colleges can you just give a, a sure. brief overview of that and then how would they go about applying um, to enroll. Correct. We have uh, five colleges. Among those five colleges, St. Phillips College and San Antonio College are designated as center of excellence. And all those colleges, we do have a cybersecurity programs. And anybody from anywhere, just like applying normal other colleges, apply taxes.org, another place to go apply for it. And they have a choice to make which college they need to apply. And programs are already, those are programs already in the applytexas.org site, and they pick their own school. The only difference between St. Phillips College is St. Phillips College is uh, designated Center of Excellence. That means when you graduate from St. Phillips College, you've been recognized from Center of Excellence institution, and your degree has an extra value to it. And that's a something plus 
when you apply for jobs, when you apply for special for government jobs, especially here in San Antonio, that give you some additional background. All five colleges are in line to deliver all those courses. Simply just if you're a high school graduate or you work in the field, you have a degrees already, but you want to have some computer training, doors open to anybody, and they simply just come apply, whether for certificate program or for associate degree program, and they're simply go online, apply to texas.org, and that's all pretty much start the process. Yeah, so do I have to take the SAT or, or ACT beforehand? It's just regular admission, just like other, other programs we have, uh, SAT or uh, in-house, some level testing. Uh, but once you take those tests, basically just checking your level math and English. So back when I uh, took some uh, computer science courses a long time ago, there was a computer lab on campus, but it was really recommended that I had a, a computer at home myself. Um, and that was one like I worked the whole summer to save up enough money to be able to buy that computer uh, that I was going to take uh, to school to, with me to have in my dorm and then ultimately my apartment as I went on through university. Uh, what uh, type of equipment or things do students need to have? Do they Should they have already been doing computer programming or trying some of these things before coming to school? Not necessarily. Uh, the program is built so that anybody with no knowledge of computer yet, but today's uh, society, obviously, when they're born, I mean, they've uh, age of four and five, they're playing with the phone. Their phone is a computer, of course. And we don't really have that kind of problem anymore, per se, like we had 19, 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, they come with some knowledge uh, better than some cases of us. Uh, I don't think there's any problem on that area. I mean, in terms of what we provide them for them, though, high-end technology classrooms, very high-end technology classrooms, how to build clouds, how, how to build security, how to build firewalls, how to build routers. Uh, those type of things already we have a good facilities to provide for our students. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's just as I've uh, been talked to some other educators in the program, and if you wanted to hear about what some of the other universities uh, in the area uh, are doing or even down into some youth education programs, you can check out our past episodes on www.cybertalkradio.com. In those, uh, as we've gone through and talked now, I mean, what you can do with virtual machines, uh, what you can do with open source software these days makes it much more accessible for students to um, have that learning on campus in the classroom, but even be able to take that home and continue it on on basically any laptop. If you go down to a pawn shop and pick up a, a laptop for a couple hundred bucks, that's going to be good enough to run the things you need. Uh, even companies like Microsoft have made Visual Studio now. Um, the Community Edition is free, and it's very useful for compiling and building software. I, I, back in the day, I had to get the educational license version of it. Uh, but now the, the Community Edition version is uh, out there doing all the things that you'll need to do on the computer programming side, even as you go into some of those courses. Absolutely. One of the things I need to mention, which is we brought up nicely, uh, for over 19, 20 years, uh, St. Philip's College also Microsoft IT Academy. I'm a certified trainer for Microsoft over 20 years now. One of the things we do, what I do, made school to be Microsoft IT Academy. And what that provides our students full access to entire e-learning materials for Microsoft, all the software, totally free to our students. And that brings uh, another value to the program. That, that means all those expensive costs you're taking, going to private fast training locations, paying a couple of thousand dollars, totally free from St. Philip's College now. 
and you can simply take a benefit of any course materials you wish to have, any software you wish to have for your training. So there's no limit, really. When you're trying to learn something, build your background, uh, in terms of hardware and software, I don't think we have any problem whatsoever. We have pretty much uh, availability for every student. Yeah, and and so from a, a course schedule perspective, uh, are all these courses eight by five Monday through Friday? Do you have evening and weekend classes? What does a class schedule look like for a student enrolling at St. Phillips? Everything above, I just mentioned. We have an online, full online. We have a night classes. We have a day classes. Basically, we have a schedule in our five colleges. We schedule as such, and of course, being offered at different different uh, colleges, so they make sure everybody have access to it because of public service in a sense. We see the big population coming through online and night classes because working class uh, commerce are a lot. They're coming for uh, technical training, even though they have a two-year two degree, four-year degree, even graduate degree. Some PhDs, they're coming back for retraining themselves. And for those people, we do have um, night classes, and we have online classes. We have a 24-7 uh, e-learning accessibility. Yeah, so and then this is uh, one, if it, folks talk about the rising cost of college and, and all of these things, as, as you look at the rising cost of education, that's primarily in the four-year universities, that on-campus experience for those kids straight out of high school. Uh, the cost for that has been going up substantially over the last 20 years. But the, the cost for a Alamo College is a St. Philip's program very affordable now. I mean, it's something that uh, as uh, if you're working here in the city um, or if you aren't in San Antonio and you're listening to us on uh, iHeartRadio or if you're listening to uh, a replay of this on iTunes podcast or Pocket Cast on your Android device, you can access these online courses from uh, anywhere across the state. Um, and in, or if you may be uh, in our service um deployed overseas you can potentially even take the online courses there mm -hmm. while you're out on deployment so the excuse of i can't afford to go to college does not apply uh, not in the all. case of saint phillips not at all and we do work on this a lot because uh, we understand the the cost is a big factor especially the area we serve our students and uh, economically disadvantaged population mainly and that's why i we as a faculty put a lot of effort to bring cost-valued program to our schools and provide our students with no cost. And we're doing that for many, many years. It's very successful. One of the things we have to think about, the program we have built uh, part of the cybersecurity consortium we had in San Antonio, for example, when you come to, uh, now we have a pre-high school programs, so pre-college programs, student comes in, they take college courses 30, 40 hours almost, uh, those uh, dual credit courses. Here you go, totally free. And then we have a low cost compared to four-year college, four-year schools at the community college level. And we take another 45, 50 hours over there. Then you can go back to go to uh, Texas A&M, UTSA, uh, almost a year and a half. Here you go, your four degrees done. We have this um, motto uh, with the... Texas A&M, less than $10,000 college degree, which is four-year degree I'm talking about now. We accomplished that. We accomplished that so that uh, many people have opportunity to go to school. And a majority of students do get scholarships, uh, do get um, financial aid. And I don't think any problem when somebody wishes to come to take classes. Uh, there's no excuse for anything per se at all. And doors open to anybody. All they need to say, yes, I can do it, and they will be helped. Yeah. 
Yeah, if, if you will show up, you want to learn, and you'll put the effort in, uh, then all the rest of the the things that you may use as an excuse is you're listening going, oh, I just can't do this. You, you can. It's out there. It's available to you. And, and there's opportunities uh, here to from an education perspective. And then as you've heard, um, if you listen to this program on a regular basis, uh, there's hundreds of thousands of job openings in cybersecurity that are posted right now. I really believe there's likely millions of job openings, and, and many companies are just not actually listing the job up because their HR department tells them that I'm not going to get any applicants, so don't even bother putting it online. Uh, so getting this education is going to give you an opportunity for a long career uh, in a field with growing employment uh, from now and through the foreseeable future it's going to be there for a long time and we just not uh, we not we don't have enough for sure fact that statistics shows us and i myself in the field for how many years i'm teaching i don't have any single student left out without a job and they actually serve in uh, high, the government high level government jobs in all the organizations any institution in san antonio you see my students they're already doing great jobs uh, still there's a shortage and it's going to be more shortage in this field. And whoever decides to come to this field, they're going to have a good future. But most of all, they're going to help others because uh, there is uh, help needed, uh, proper uh, ethical people needed in this field to do the right thing. And not just the, as a job, but also doing the right thing in this field is very crucial. Yeah, so uh, in the San Antonio area as well, we have... Uh, a few hundred folks each month that retire from active duty, uh, whether they serve a full 20 years or maybe they, they threw their initial four-year obligation, that whole kind of range. Uh, are the St. Philip's programs GI Bill eligible? Absolutely. Yeah, so if you're listening there or you've got a, a friend or a family member uh, that's former service thinking of where do I want to go get the most out of those GI Bill dollars, uh, this is a, a great uh, way to go do that and use that money to build the education that you need for that next career. Absolutely. Use um, GI Bill, uh, Hazelwood, to take advantage of those such uh, demanded programs. And especially for uh, those in the service, they have a clearance and a big advantage for them, knowing that San Antonio is the biggest city in cybersecurity and jobs, and they have a big leverage to get those jobs just with the proper education. And there is a big opportunity for them, yes. Yeah, we had a tech sergeant, Diami Baker, is the cyber recruiter for the U.S. Air Force uh, on CyberTalk Radius. If you wanted to hear her talking about cyber jobs specifically enlisted in the Air Force, uh, you can listen to that on iTunes podcasts or Pocket Casts on your Android device or check it out also on our website at www.cybertalkradio.com. Yeah, I mean, she'd mentioned there's over 1,500 openings right now uh, inside the Air Force where they're looking to uh, get new folks uh, in to join um, and this is also, I guess, if you're probably in the Air Force in another career, if you go get some of this education, you may be able to transfer into one of those roles. So uh, a couple of different times you've mentioned this uh, center of excellence, and you've, you've said that Alamo Colleges, St. Phillips, and uh, San Antonio College both have this accreditation. Uh, can you share a little bit more background about this accreditation? Because it's one where uh, I think some of the the universities and colleges here in san antonio sort of it almost feels like take it for granted it's just like yeah we just do this we just have this but this is not something that uh, colleges broadly across the the u.s uh have from an accreditation perspective not at all uh, there is a rigorous process you have to go through to get this accredit- uh, basically uh, uh, 
designation per se. A designation done by NSA and DHS. Those institutions, they understood the value of cybersecurity education and they come forward to nationwide deploy the cybersecurity education and make sure the education properly set, properly delivered, and outcome is, uh, outcome is visible. And they have a checklist. They have a bunch of uh, process they have to go through. We have to accomplish those, each one of them. And once they go through those process and they prove you whether you are capable of or not capable of delivering the cybersecurity education. Fortunately, we got those uh, approval uh, until 2020. Uh, we are a center of excellence, a recognized institution. Anybody who's come through those programs, whether certificate program or degree programs, will be recognized as a center of excellence, awarded degrees and certificates, and has an add-on value to regular degrees because of center of excellence and recognized by DHS and the uh, NSA. When you apply for special government jobs, even other jobs, uh, you have to bring this forward and then mention that, you know, do did graduate from this type of institutions and your degree earned from this type of institution and that gives you opportunities for the jobs and and also you've proven that you have some background that coming from those type of institution which already been designated as a center of excellence. There are not many in the country and I said DHS pushing so hard to get many institutions on board, but they have to be basically do the job to get on board. Yeah, they have to do an excellent job at yeah, cyber absolutely. education. Uh, and we have five of them, I believe, here across the, the two-year and four-year programs in San Antonio. Uh, and, and so if you're here in San Antonio, you look and go, well, everyone's got that designation. That's not the case. No, no, not now, at all. A number of the universities here in San Antonio are delivering amazing cyber education all the way from entry-level programs up through uh, research. Um, and because of that, and because of the, the depth of what's going on here in our cybersecurity ecosystem, many of these universities have been able to achieve that because they can attract quality professors, they can build quality degree programs, and those, those programs then go and get certified um, by the, the DHS and NSA for uh, delivering at the level of excellence required uh, to meet the standards they have. So if you've uh, just joined us on the radio, uh, you're listening to 1200 WAI. Uh, this is Cyber Talk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt. I'm joined this week by Professor Saeed from St. Philip's College. We've covered uh, a high-level overview in the first half of the program on the degree programs there, um, how to go through the admission process, um, course schedules, and and all. If you uh, missed any of that, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this and, and replays online. It'll be up on Tuesday um, after the program's airing here on Saturday night. If you happen to be listening to one of those uh, rebroadcasts already, thank you for taking the time to learn uh, about what's going on here. And uh, I hope that you join us in the cybersecurity industry uh, because as uh, we did mention earlier in the program, there's lots of jobs today that are open now and more to come in the future. In the second half of the program here, after we break for a news traffic and weather update at the bottom of the hour. Um, we're going to talk about some of the other programs that tie into that St. Phillips campus, uh, the Cyber First Responders. Uh, they run a summer program called Gen Cyber. We can talk a little bit about what happened at that program uh, here over this past summer and uh, what you could look forward to if you wanted to get involved in that uh, for uh, the future. So we'll be right back.
Welcome back to CyberTalk Radio. I'm your host, Brett Pyatt, a 20-year internet security veteran. This week, we're pleased to be joined uh, by Professor Sahin from St. Philip's College. Uh, in the first half of the program, we covered all about the degree programs there, who, what you need to do to enroll, and uh, what those uh, class schedules look like. The short version is uh, they have day classes, night classes, evening weekend, online, on campus, uh, there's no reason that you should not be able to go to school and get yourself into the cybersecurity industry if you choose to. It's affordable. You can go look it up on applytexas.org and go get started uh, today. Um, There's also uh, classes uh, starting up on a very regular schedule. So it's not, oh, I just missed enrollment for the whole year. You may have missed enrollment for the semester, uh, but you can get started now and get going on classes in the the next cycle coming through. So uh, it's not one where, uh, again, if you didn't apply already for the classes that just started this month, you'll be able to get into classes starting in a couple of months here. So uh, easy process to go through and get going and get yourself uh, into a cybersecurity career. Uh, Even just related to that in information technology overall as well. Uh, St. Philip's also is a Microsoft certified uh, programs there where you can learn all about becoming a Windows system administrator or a Windows software developer or all sorts of Microsoft related jobs out there. Uh, it's widely adopted technology across public and private sector uh, and folks are, are needed with those skills every day. As we, we go through and we talk about uh, cybersecurity education, uh, I also want folks to be aware that it's not all about Mr. Robot hacking. Uh, there's Uh, configuration of network devices and equipment. There's properly configuring systems. Uh, But cybersecurity goes out all the way across uh, to policy and process. And there's careers and degree programs, uh, both on the the business side of cybersecurity and the, the ethics and the data privacy that are much more about defining policies and processes and ensuring that information is safeguarded out there for folks. So we had uh, promised folks that we were going to talk about some of the other programs you had at, at St. Phillips. So you joined us today. And if uh, you look at the, the photo online for this uh, episode, uh, you'll see a Cyber First Responders polo shirt uh, that, that you're wearing uh, in this. What is the Cyber First Responders program? Uh, Cyber First Responders is uh, an idea I came up with a long time ago. And when National Science Foundation didn't have any cybersecurity grant section. The idea was there are too many professionals out there in computer field, in cybersecurity field, being trained, but they don't have any association that as an umbrella commander serve public as a, num- uh, as a model of uh, volunteer fire department. And so we put the proposal together, submit to National Science Foundation, and five years ago we got uh, over $500,000 grant, and cyber first responders that's how cybersecurity actually become a label, and cyber first responders was the subtitle of the project. In that project, we found where the problems are in education. Problems is just not the college itself, and we found out this education needs to start so early in elementary school, middle school, high schools. So we got the money to start training teachers and then created some summer camps mainly for teachers how to deliver 
curriculum in K through 12. And for the kids, create a summer camps so that awareness start an early age and some training start later, maybe 8, 9, 10, 12. So Grant provided a structure for five years and provide the money to deliver in San Antonio. And with the UTSA, CIS, we create train teachers over there. We create some summer camps for our students and become a model. A summer for responders is a collection of those professionals. So we initiate a project to create those professionals as an educa- educational component and become a cyber first responders organization now. We start with our students and hopefully we're going to grow up in the state, city and state, bring those cybersecurity professionals under one organization that whenever cyber incident occurs, hoping that those people will go help without any benefit from it. That is the concept and idea we have initiated at the St. Phillips College. And that's what the Cyber First Responders stands for. So if I was a cybersecurity professional listening and I wanted to get involved in the Cyber First Responders, how do I do that? Just contact us uh, at the St. Phillips College. We have a cybersecurity center. Is a, we have a website on the main website. When you just simply go Alamo Colleges and St. Phillips College type cybersecurity and you see all the information in terms of how to contact, you know, what we, do, what we do, what we have, and that will be the best place to go. Oh, that's uh, great. And this is uh, one on the, the cybersecurity front. Um, I mean, anyone following the news um, or even trying not to follow the news has probably heard more about cybersecurity over the last year than, than you've ever wanted to, uh, whether it's uh, nation state level folks or whether it's uh, just um, hackers uh, out there um, causing mischief uh, now for for profit uh, across all sorts of um, systems, both public sector and private sector. Uh, hacking is going on on a regular basis, and I think it's um, really, uh, while you, you may feel like we've had some major cyber incidents to date, um, they're kind of minor in the, the really big grand scheme of things. And there's going to be a point where uh, we do have a major cyber incident, not just something like where the denial of service attacks um, over the last year took uh, a good portion of the eastern U.S. segment of the Internet offline for uh, a few hours. Uh, I think we will see a uh, longer outage uh, or potentially even a, a multi-nation level outage uh, on the Internet through nefarious behavior, not through a misconfiguration of Uh, one of the main internet service providers, but through some nefarious behavior, it's really only a matter of time before something big does happen. One of the uh, other programs as I was looking through uh, background to prepare for our conversation today was the Gen Cyber, uh, which is a summer program at St. Phillips. Uh, It's actually an NSA DHS program as provided at National Science Foundation as well. uh, You apply for it and uh, upon your project, and they approve whether your project is suitable for a summer camp. And last two years, we were lucky to get one with UTSA. Last year, we did uh, combo together, train teachers and students. This year, uh, also, we got one at St. Phillips College and one with, with partnership with UTSA. We have delivered those successfully this year. Uh, GenCyber uh, is a nationwide initiative, uh, National Security Agency with uh, NSF together to initiate a big project for cybersecurity awareness, cybersecurity training early early age. So it's not just St. Uh, uh, Phillips College, it's just open to any college around the country. Uh, whoever 
successfully submit a competing project get awarded. So this is uh, two years in a row now, and yes. it sounds like you, you will probably submit again for this program coming up this next summer? We do. We do that and other projects, just like we just finished the uh, National Science Foundation grant for five years. We did for five years. And now GenCyber was open. We did through GenCyber. So any opportunities as educators we get, we find, uh, we definitely take advantage of it to bring it to our society, our public. Yeah. So uh, the project that went on this summer, what's some of the, the details and background on that one? Oh, it was awesome. We put students and high school, middle school, high school um, teachers all together and starting ground up building systems, network, and they they get a res- Raspberry Pi, they assemble Raspberry Pi as a computer, and they connect to monitors and connect to cable. They actually made a cable in the classroom. We're talking about like a six years old, seven years old, actually building their own system. Uh, we create some excitement how built or system is not something terrible. You know, it's something fun to do it. And we even have a drone in the classroom. They play with the drone, how the drone works. Uh, the whole idea to create an interest in this field uh, is amazing how kids see those new things and when they do things, able to do things in practical manner. And they they like it. And they say, okay, I want to do this. This is something I like to do it. And that's what we did. And also, uh, biggest problem, of course, uh, in our K-12 education system, we don't have enough uh, cybersecurity educator, even curriculum many, many schools. And those programs really helps out to train those teachers and give some awareness to the students for this uh, hot topic. And we did uh, just like a Raspberry Pi, just $35, $40 small box from, you know, a small computer, but does tremendous things. And kids seen, uh, kids start seeing that and they did programming and they built a system, they built a private clouds. I mean, this they, we show them how out of box, just like you mentioned early conversation, uh, there's no excuses for anything. Just even simple computer has everything available, free out there. Uh, we show them what those tools are, uh, how to build them. So basically, how build a big organization network, and we made it so simple for them, and make clear that it is possible for you to do such a thing. And that those uh, summer camps helps a lot to create awareness uh, for those uh, younger generation. I find this just, a, I mean, it's amazing that computers, uh, if you've been with with us for the full hour, uh, my, I saved up and worked the whole summer um, back in the days to get myself a computer before um, starting uh, university in computer science. And I was $4,000, I think I spent on that computer. And <laughs> now we're talking about a $40 Raspberry Pi, uh, which is much more powerful than that computer that, that I had. It was, uh, that one was the, uh, the first uh, Pentium chips. <laughs> I got the 90 megahertz one, and a Raspberry Pi, I'm sure, is faster than 90 megahertz. I'm sure it also has uh, more memory and more storage and more everything. Uh, and this is making uh, this something that's affordable for everyone to to get involved with. It's like you say, I can't afford to get a computer for my kids. It, it's 40 bucks. If you have a smartphone, that cell phone contract, you're spending 40 bucks a month. Um, on that. That's all it costs to get a computer for your kids to get them up and going and learning uh, computers so that they have the opportunity to go after some of these careers as they grow up. Well, absolutely. Any any schools, any district, any schools, if they talk about the budget, we don't have enough money to build such a lab, that's not true statement anymore. 
you know, forty dollars uh, per comp- is a computer. Uh, it literally is a computer, and you can you can use any old monitors over there. Connect them. Any keyboard you can connect to it has a wireless capability. Has all the programming language built into it. Is open source uh, environment. You can do anything for in- teaching. I mean, twenty computers is forty dollars. Do the simple math. That's how you're gonna build a small, actually powerful lab, but less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. No, I mean, this is, is something you could do a, a bake sale at the school for and make that absolutely, happen. Yeah. Absolutely. There's no excuses, truly. I mean, today, if they need any help, any schools, any districts out there, they need any help, which we communicate a lot with some schools, uh, how to set those environments for them. They're welcome to uh, contact us. Uh, I would glad to go set system for them up and help them out. Yeah. So if, if you uh, in one of our school districts here and you heard that you're an educator or you're a parent going i want my school for my kids to have uh computer education um, offer classes offer uh, a lab on campus uh please reach out and let's make that stuff happen and have this change goes one school at a time one classroom at a time one kid at a time and as we make each of those impacts it will snowball and expand out from there I mean, we have uh, some areas in, in districts that have made uh, big investments, uh, but it's one as well as you were talking with that just limited the number of educators uh, finding uh, K through 12 teachers with the uh, computer science uh, accreditation so that they can meet the Texas standards to teach those classes, especially at the high school level. Uh, we're pretty limited uh, on that because as uh, I see many of the educators that have that uh, accreditation can get a job in the private sector that is uh, something that unless you're really drawn and called to educate there's other options out there uh, working for companies even potentially running in in-house training so you may still be educating but you're working for a large company that has their own in-house training program and getting paid better than you do uh, in a k-12 through school system Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and this is it's a difficult challenge because uh, if we we need to have those classes offered and uh, this is one where things are going to have to have some variance uh, on that teaching uh, pay scale in order to be able to attract and retain the proper uh, instructors to be able to set our kids up for success. So as, as uh, we're talking about getting kids uh, online, getting kids involved in um, using computers, uh, many parents have already decided to give their kids uh, computing devices of some sort, um, often a phone so they can keep track of them. And these uh, kids are not necessarily using the phone for phone calls anymore, which I find it amusing that we still call it a phone because even mine, 90% of the use is not uh, as, as we even uh, – broadcast this uh, program, I use it as a, a stopwatch and a timer uh, to measure the segments as we're going along. Uh, I'm using it to check text messages and emails and other things. Uh, that, uh, so while having that phone's great for kids uh, and it helps parents stay in touch with them, it helps them get in contact with their friends, it also opens them up to a new form of bullying. And there's that one where you, you're always worried that there's going to be the, the kid on campus that takes lunch from your child or uh, makes them carry their backpack or whatnot. But cyberbullying is a, a new word, new area that's being talked about much more now. Can you share a little bit about any cyberbullying education and programs uh, that you're involved 
involved in uh, out there. I know we've we've had the David's Legacy Foundation uh, on CyberTalk Radio, uh, where we we talked specifically about what happened in that situation and some of the laws that are now here in the state of Texas uh, related to the cyberbullying. But you guys are also involved at, at St. Phillips as well. I understand very much so. <clears throat> cyberbullying is such a big problem uh, is around the around the world. Just before I even. Come to it. I just got a message. The National Science Foundation just granted a big project, uh, University of Chicago, uh, for cyberbullying study. We have those computer devices. Uh, we have those phones, just like you mentioned earlier. We're using to what? Deliver information. What information can be in many forms. Some information can be just uh, joking, saying things, and not face to each other, face each other. Uh, but sometimes we just go out of context. I mean, we just hurt each other by saying things. But uh, sometimes the, the situation we are in, the age we are in, just we don't know how to take it sometimes. Throughout our study, we found this actually many years ago We in the computer ethics. We found, you know, yes, this is a wonderful tool. Yes, it's helping us a lot. But we noticed that it's also hurting us in, such, in some different ways, especially among young kids today, they... You know, social media we call today any form of social media, nothing but posting personal information and doing some social communication. Sometimes they can go out of context, and unfortunately, uh, kids does not understand the level of hurtness. You know how much they're hurting, what's going on. One of the biggest example. Let me give you one of the summer camp we have ta- uh, we have done when we talk about cyberbullying. When we brought uh, David's father to as a speaker, one of our cyberbullying in a cyberbullying camp, which I know David since they born. Little boy came forward and he said, "Mr. Sain, can I say something?" Of course, I said, "Okay, tell me first what you want to say." And he said, "Well, I want to tell people cyberbullying it hurts. Don't do it. It's not good." This is eight years old kids, and obviously he got aware of it, the consequence of how much hurting going on in this field. Anywhere you go around the country, if you just open the open the word cyberbullying, you'd be surprised how many kids come forward and say, you know, some form of cyberbullying happened to me, and they will speak up. So what is the education component of this? Uh, we have to reach out to all the teachers in our districts from K through 12, have them teaching awareness of cyberbullying. Awareness is a key point of it. It has to be awareness teaching in early age. And as a teacher, you have kids with you most of the time. And you pretty much their parents for a long period of time. We need to be trained as a faculties and teachers, understanding how those cyberbullying can affect kids and detecting them in proper time and take action in proper time. It, this is a study, and with this study it has to be done in education environment. That's why even National Science Foundation t- taking action. Many various organizations, such as law, uh, is taking actions on this. Uh, it's not just a punishment, it's also uh, awareness and proper teaching in this field. Because computer, yes, it del- deliver good things for us, but uh, some other things we're not aware of it happens, and we need to just uh, study those quickly take care of it, it hurts. It hurts and it, people take life and we lost too many lives because of this and not knowing this is going to do, uh, affect people. And cyberbullying is a major factor in the cybersecurity teaching. It, just, it is not just to become a best engineer, but also become a best awareness to help society make sure this tool doesn't hurt 
by delivering information. What is the proper information? Where it goes? We have to teach that properly. When you post something, how long do it be there? Who's reading it? It's just not your friend. You know, it doesn't go away. You know, you are 10 years old. You said something crazy today. When you were 40 years old, it may come up, uh, haunt you over there. And say, okay, you said this before, and you're gonna say, well, I was a little kid then, but nobody's gonna pay attention to that. But come down to this information highway we have today. We have to be train our kids, train our teacher properly, so that the consequences of this uh, information can be out of control and can hurt people. Yeah, and and this is, a, it's kids are mean to other kids, as I, I say often at middle school, they start to learn how to be mean, but they're not uh, yet wise enough to know that it's the damage that it can cause. Uh, and then you add the uh, power of anonymity. So now they have the ability to be mean without any risk of retribution back directly to them. And um, many of the way that the admission policies and, and account policies are set up on the uh, Internet services is if you're identified as with a, a name and, and it can be tracked back to you, they don't allow kids under 13 or kids under 16 or anyone under the age of 18 to get on that platform. So what's happening is uh, your children in middle school are out there on these platforms where uh, accounts are created anonymously uh, and they're communicating in this kind of gray area. Uh, they're setting up groups with their friends. They're chatting on things like Kick Messenger or these others, and they may be doing it. Um, in a group chat room in a way that is anonymous so they can go in there and they can post something hateful or harmful uh, about someone else and affect that cyberbullying without any retribution back to them as the bully. And uh, this enablement has created uh, bad behavior um, and has created opportunities for bad behavior. And this is a, that education that needs to happen for parents and teachers so that you can catch your kids doing it and hold them accountable because uh, it may not be one where the authorities can even trace back. Absolutely. So if you wanted to learn more uh, about cyberbullying, uh, you can listen to one of our past episodes. Uh, look on www.cybertalkradio.com. Uh, look up David's Legacy Foundation. You can also find us on iTunes Podcasts or Pocket Casts on your Android device or uh, many of the other uh, podcast services uh, also pick up uh, this program. Um, if you want to listen to future episodes of CyberTalk Radio, you can see the schedule uh, on our website. If you have ideas uh, for show topics or would like to be a guest yourself, please go to visit our website and you can fill out the forms there and reach the show. Thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, closing thoughts are for our audience. Well, thank you very much for inviting me for this uh, nice show. Uh, it's, it's excellent. It's needed. Uh, awareness in the public is needed. And you guys are doing a great job by doing so. And I'm really happy to be here. And 20 years, such as yours, as a veteran in this field, and yeah. I think we need more people. And hopefully those type of programs will in initiate this process. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you. 